Hello, this is Ed Robinson, and welcome back to another episode of the Deep End with Ed podcast. The Deep End. The Deep End. The Deep End. With Ed Robinson. The aim of this weekly podcast is to inspire you to go into the deep end by talking about real challenges and providing practical tips and inspiration from me or my guests. You know, recently we completed season four where we focused on our mental wellness, including those difficult emotions. We talked about fear and shame and worry and anxiety, and we closed out with resiliency. That was in season four. And so now we are making a shift and we are about to launch into season five where our focus will be on spiritual wellness. We want to do a whole series around spiritual wellness. And personally, I believe in taking a holistic approach to our well-being. That is, looking at the seven areas that impact all individuals. That is, mental, spiritual, financial, physical, social, environmental, and vocational. However, before we do that, I would like to give you a lifeguard tower moment. Remember, a lifeguard tower moment is something that you do for others. You know, there's been a lot of things that's been going on in our society, and even uh, this past 4th of July, uh, we saw the shooting uh, in Illinois, and I'm uh, just it's just a travesty when you think about all of these things that just keeps recurring on and on and on. And you look at what's happening with uh, unemployment, homelessness, and so forth. And so what I'm asking for you to do is to talk with someone, a senior citizen, a middle-aged person, a uh, teenager, a, a child, especially our children and youth. I want you to take the time to talk with them about their fears or concerns that they might be uh, facing, uh, whether it's at school, whether it's in their home, whether it's in the community, wherever it may be, and reassure them that they are going to be okay. Uh, I think the big thing is that once an individual knows that they are going to be okay, it makes life a little bit uh, more important uh, for them. So just take the time out of your busy schedule, pick up the phone, call someone, and just encourage them uh, because it goes a long way. So again, we are in episode five and we will focus on spiritual wellness. You know, spiritual wellness is affected by uh, our by your sense of purpose, your purpose for, and the meaning in, in all aspects of your personal and professional life. It's what it's you know, as I said, it's what uh, is behind your sense of fulfillment or your contribution. It drives you to do what you do every day when you think about it. So we talked uh, in the last series about our mental wellness and being prepared, you know, mentally, not just cognitively, but being prepared and focusing all aspects of our life. But then there's the other side of it. There's the spiritual side of us where we want to look at uh, the spiritual side, not necessarily religion per se, but what are those things that really help us to find our sense of purpose. And when I think of uh, the spiritual wellness, I think about our spiritual life, how it influences. It influences things like our connection to purpose. Everyone wants to have a purpose. Uh, everyone wakes up with a sense of what can, hopefully most people do, with a sense of how can I do something special with my life. Uh, everyone, uh, the spiritual life, it influences our alignment with our vision and with our overall goals. When you look at 
What is why am I doing what I do? What would I do for free if I didn't, you know, even if I worked and I found my passion? I think that spiritual life drives that. It also drives our resiliency. You know, as we talked about on the very last episode of season five, that resiliency is getting up when you get knocked down. It's bouncing back when you've been uh, struggling through something. So the spiritual life, it helps us with that. But it also helps to create a balance between our work work life, our school life, and our personal life. It gives us the proper perspective when you are dealing with your spiritual well-being. And so, you know, I know that there are, are we live in a polytheistic uh, society where people uh, believe many things about God and have their own interpretation and uh, shapings and perspectives by that. And I say, you know, uh, unequivocally that, you know, my spiritual leanings is that of Christianity. And so that's, that's what has anchored me all of these years in the things that I have been doing. And so I want to just kind of encourage you from the topic of this series, the first episode of this series, a commitment to greatness, a commitment to greatness. David, the uh, shepherd boy, now a grown man, he said in the book of Psalms, as you know, David wrote many, several of the Psalms, and Psalms 37 and 5, he says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, when you think of it, most of us, we have our hopes. We have our dreams, we have our aspirations, we have our big ideals for something that is greater than ourselves. And I want you to just take a journey with me, a nostalgic journey with me. Think about back to the time when we were all kids. And for the most part, we believed that there was nothing that we couldn't do. We felt that we were invincible, you know, we were unbeatable. You know, we, 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 we'll, we'll run through walls, there's nothing could stop us. And think about it, we, you know, we tried reading even when we didn't know the words, you know, me having three older sisters and they're very smart, Marlene and Cheryl and Karen, and I've always kind of wanted to keep up with them. So, you know, I think about, you know, learning the words and things of that nature. So think about something like that. You know, you wanted to do what they were doing. Or we raced cars down the street when we were running, you know, that helped us with our speed and being able to connect and and, and keep ourselves moving, you know, because we, again, we felt there was nothing that we couldn't do. We even believed that we can fly. Some of us tried to fly out of trees and ended up with broken bones and collarbones and and elbows and wrists and things of that nature. But the but the fact of the matter is that we inspired to tap that level of greatness that was inside of us. And you know, uh, I have to tell you this. There are some times that I think about even at my age that I am now, my ripe uh, middle year age that I am. I uh, sometimes wish I was a kid again, having that childlike spirit, that childlike spirit who believed that if you threw them up in the air, you were going to catch them in your arms. If they fell backwards with their eyes closed and their arms folded, that you were going to hold them up in a trust or a faith uh, fall, so to speak. And I think that we need to recapture the things um, um, that we see our children doing. I'm not saying being childlike as an adult, but just watch children, watch your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren children, your nephews, your nieces, your brothers or your sisters, or the, if you're a teacher and you see the kids in your classroom, kids are very resilient and they believe in going for it. And I think that we too can learn a lesson from the babies by watching them. 
you know however there were some kids uh, who knew that in order to achieve a level of greatness they had to make a commitment to do what they didn't want to do uh, when they didn't want to do it let me say that again there are some kids that knew that they had to make a commitment to do what they didn't want to do when they really in a sense needed to do it Consider the kid who is or was ridiculed by his friends uh, for taking accordion lessons while other kids, you know, gain notoriety for their prowess in sports and or for living on the wild side. The kid that I'm referring to is none other than my son, Anthony. Anthony was that accordion player. A black kid and growing up in Compton, learning to play the accordion was almost kind of odd. Now, this would have been the oh, early, mid-90s or so. And uh, But Anthony was out there, you know, and, and he'd be out there in the, in the, in the backyard or be in the driveway and just playing those keys and doing the best that he could. And he became very proficient at it. Matter of fact, I know he still can play the accordion. And so, um, but it was amazing. Not only did he excel there, but even in his academics, but Anthony even excelled in sports and he ended up playing collegiate football. So, you know, he was doing uh, what, you know, making a commitment to do, you know, what he needed to do probably when he didn't want to do it and, and, it, and it paid dividends uh, for him. There were times where uh, neighbors uh, would invite him to play at Kensanetas and various other events because, you know, he knew how to play and, you know, they would give him money and things of that nature. So, again, you know, making a commitment to excellence. Question, trivial question. Did you know that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. received a C in public speaking in his first seminary speech course? He said that it was a wake-up call for him, which led him to get all A's in his subsequent classes and eventually became the school's valedictorian. Yes, I'm talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. I have a dream speech and all of the other great things that he said. One of Dr. King's favorite quotes, I'll just drop this in for free, when it comes to challenges and issues and things of nature, there was a plaque that my beloved wife gave to me and I kept it in my office all the time. And it says that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands during times of comfort and convenience, but where he stands during times of challenge and controversy. End quote. And I really appreciated that. So what made the difference uh, between failure and success for both Anthony, my son Anthony, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Personally, I believe it boiled down to one thing, and that was commitment. You know, in order to attain any goal, uh, one must purpose in their heart to commit to putting in the necessary time to master their craft. We say it the other way, man, are you putting in the work? You know, and I remember times training for a marathon. It was a many days that I didn't want to go out and run. And I would tell people that I was registered for a marathon. And then they would ask me every blue moon, Ed, are you putting in the work? And yes, I had to put in the work. I couldn't cheat, you know, in order to get through it. I think likewise, uh, the same thing should happen for the follower of Christ. In Psalms 37 and 5, David, again, the shepherd boy, the apple of God's eye, the king of Israel, he provides us with a few clues for greatness, how to commit towards greatness. First, he suggests that we commit. Commit comes from the Hebrew word galal, G-A-L-A-L, galal. -A -L, galal. 
and it means to roll. In other words, in this case, roll down, roll away, or roll up. Imagine in your mind, if you can just picture in your mind a rolling stone, a stone that is rolling down a hill, and it takes effort, you know, and it gets the momentum after a little while. And that's the same thing that he's telling us to do is to commit. But what are we to commit? He said our ways, our ideals, our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our goals, our visions, our aspirations, whatever it may be, he said that we are to commit that. But how are we to commit it to? Not committed to Instagram, not committed to Facebook, not committed to uh, any other social media platforms, but he says to who? He says to the Lord. The Hebrew word for Lord is at Lord, I'm sorry, is Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I, Adonai, or Adonai. And then the Greek is kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S. And what it means, it means the right to rule or to reign. So he's saying that we ought to commit our ways unto the Lord. And then when he says we do that, after we commit our way, here comes the hard part. The hard part is what those kids that I alluded to earlier makes it seems easy to do is to trust. You know, trust is really hard when you really think about it. Some people have had their walls of trust decimated. Some people have had their uh, confidence of trust violated. Some people ha have had their trust of, uh, of just moving forward, you know, uh, ran into brick walls and have stopped them. And so it's kind of difficult. But think about it. Every day, in everyday dealings, for the most part, we, we exemplify trust. We exemplify trust when we get on our cars and we drive our cars and we just believe that when we push the brake that the brake is going to stop. We exemplify trust when we uh, uh, get our food uh, at a restaurant. You know, we don't know what that person may be doing from the time they bring it from the kitchen behind the doors all the way until the time they bring it to you. But we trust that the food is safe and, and, and healthy and so forth. We trust babysitters with our children. Some people from 6 to 8 to 12 hours a day, you just trust. And I know you have cameras and you could now, you know, have a better way of keeping up with the children, but there's a level of trust. We trust the Uber and the Lyft and the cab drivers that they have legitimate uh, insurance. They have legitimate uh, drivers. They're, they're not, you know, driving with a suspended license. They don't have DUIs. We just trust that. And then we trust the dentist with our mouths when we go and get our teeth clean or work on we open up our mouths and we just believe you know that he or she is legit and they are going to do the right thing but but we sometimes don't trust or even mistrust the lord for daily help you know trust should have only taken the children of israel 40 days to get from uh, egyptian from egypt that is to the promised land but instead it took them 40 years because they did not trust god's leading so the question that I have for you is that are there some things in your life that is taking an unusual amount of time to come to fruition? And if so, might it be that uh, we simply aren't trusting or believing that the Lord is able? So as a result, finally, David tells us when we commit and trust to the Lord, it says he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to fruition. In other words, it's in the Lord's timetable that he'll make things happen. I should tell my children all the time that if God gets you to something, he will get you through the situation that you're dealing with. 
but the key thing is committing is trusting and allowing you know him to take care of the situation so I just want to close out by telling you you know encouraging someone to commit and trust whatever it is that you're dealing with unto the Lord that he will hold you up that he will take care of the situation for you so let me give you your coachable moment as we get ready to land the plane this is something that you can do for yourself since we're talking about commit I want you to commit to one thing just one thing one thing that you may be trying to accomplish it might be something in your local community it might be going back to school it might be being a better student in school it might be launching a ministry it might be working at a nonprofit it may be grant writing it may be raising funds it may be uh, uh, helping that at a food bank it might be volunteering at a hospital whatever it may be I'm asking you to purposely commit over the next seven days to commit to whatever it is that you're trying to do write it down and then take the actionable steps to bring it to fruition as always I'd like to thank Nicole Robinson for uh, editing and producing um, the deep end with Ed podcast and making things happen I want to encourage you to subscribe to our Instagram and Facebook pages at deep end with Ed and tell somebody else about the podcast encourage someone else to, to hear it so it, it perhaps can inspire them also the deep end with Ed podcast is a beyond the mask conversation production and remember if we all join hands together, we can go twice as far.